you know, these, these are tools with huge potential, but how you use a tool is what it's all about. You know, the context for it and the, what you seek to, to achieve by implementing these, these tools, I think is going to determine whether these are democratizing or dystopian. My name is Graham Howarth, and it gives me great pleasure to welcome you to this brief trailer or spoiler, uh, where I'll be speaking to Gary Cantor, who's our speaker or one of our speakers at our 16th Ethics for All, which is going to be held on the evening of Thursday, the 19th of October at seven in the evening. So I'll be speaking to Gary, finding a little bit about him, a little bit about AI and a little about a little bit about his talk. So Gary, uh, welcome and thank you very much for joining me today. Thanks, Graham. It's a pleasure. Looking forward to our chat. Now, um, my understanding is that you are South African educated at the undergraduate level anyway. Maybe you could just give us a little bit of background about, um, you know, your course to date through medicine. Sure, it's a bit of a long journey crossing the Atlantic a couple of times, but I'm a UCT graduate. And uh, like a lot of my sort of contemporaries, I did eventually, um, well, not long after qualifying and working a little in, in Zimbabwe, um, where I was born and grew up, um, I headed over to North America and I actually spent 16 years over there, including um, six years in Canada, part of that in Western Canada, doing sort of a rural general practice, which is pretty interesting. I ended up doing a residency in anesthesia in Toronto and then migrating south across the border to what I thought were, were better opportunities in the United States. I spent 10 years in Cleveland, including the Cleveland Clinic and in a big uh, academic uh, medical center over there before coming home. To South Africa, which was initially meant to be a one-year sabbatical, time off for good behavior, but then we sort of, you know, liked being back home in Cape Town, particularly, and all that it has to offer, and sort of the challenges of a different kind of medicine in many ways. See some some things the same, and I brought some, you know, ideas and experience back with me that I thought I could transplant into the local environment. So I was you know, primarily a clinician as I said, in general practice and then training and then 10 years in a, in a big medical center. But along the way, I got interested in a couple of things that maybe, you know, of, of relevance to the, the presentation that we're going to do next, next month, um, particularly around quality and, and systems and, and the role that they play in the outcomes that we want to have for our patients. And having a fairly strong uh, nerdy streak in me, I got sort of very interested in information technology, and we're talking, you know, a couple of, couple of decades back in the early days of the internet and all of the sort of e-health, m-health, you know, all of these labels that got attached to things that I think we think of, you know, these days as inherent to everything in life and to medical care a lot. And... Um, and then we're going to talk about artificial intelligence, which is the latest generation on that. So I'm giving you, you know, my story in brief and um, the intersection with some of the interests that I think are, are really exciting and interesting and going to shape the way we practice medicine um, in the coming years. So would you see yourself as an anesthetist if I was to say to you what speciality? I mean, when did you last give an anesthetic in anger? Or... <laughs> so actually, uh, I was. Um, 
at Somerset Hospital this morning, public hospital that's pretty close to where I live. I was in theater this morning. So this is trying, I'm trying to keep myself honest. And I think, you know, one, one of the, the risks of people who get into IT and uh, technology things in general is that uh, they kind of lose touch with the reality of medical practice. So I did take a bit of a break from clinical practice, but I'm, I'm, I'm back in it. And uh, it's really exciting to actually hang out in a, in a teaching setting with younger people and learn from them and learn with them and sort of contribute some, some, um, some things that I've learned over the years about practice. But actually, I'm, I'm learning a lot every day that I, that I hang out in theater with uh, registrars. And you asked me, am I an anesthetist? So there's a little bit of jargon or language involved in that question. I think you, maybe you're um, being provocative, as you promised you would be. <laughs> So in the United States and Canada, an anesthetist actually is a nurse, um, a, nurse anesthet a nurse anesthetist, as they would say. In South Africa, uh, doctors are, are, are anesthetists, um, although increasingly we're calling ourselves anesthesiologists, which is hard for many people to pronounce. <laughs> but here we are. It's the same, it's the same work. But um, actually, it's a broader question about how one does anesthesia. Is it in a team? Is it individual? Are you part of a system? What's that system look like? How do you get the best outcomes? Um, so, you know, that, that small question of whether I'm an anesthetist or something else actually opens up a whole conversation all, all, on, its, all on its own. Well, I, I think that is also brought home with um, SASA. I think they like to call themselves the South African Society of anesthesiologists, and I, I did make the mistake once of referring to them as anesthetists. Just moving on to um, the concept of artificial intelligence, and um, I will provoke you by saying I believe you're a bit of an expert in the field. <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny you should say that, because uh, this morning in theater, um, one of my very experienced colleague consultants um, was asked whether he was an expert, and he said, no, I'm a specialist. And then we talked about whether that's the same thing, being a specialist and being an expert. But to take it away from, from that thread of conversation, I think AI is sufficiently new that, you know, I'm not sure that there are many people in the world who are experts. There, there are some. There have been some people doing it for a long time. Um, I actually, before I went to medical school at UCT, I believe it or not, I spent three months in a computer science program in London, the University of London, University College London. So I did have, as I said, this sort of nerdy technology-oriented streak, which a lot of anesthesiologists have. So I, I was in on the very beginnings, late, late 70s, and um, I learned to program in a programming language called PL1, which stands for Programming Language 1. So that gives you an idea of how far back this goes. And one of my friends from, from that BSc program in computer science, you know, was interested in artificial intelligence all the way back then and started a career in it. And that career, I have to say, he might agree or he might disagree, was relatively unsuccessful because these ideas around AI have been a little bit of science fiction and then they seemed like there was a possibility they'd come true and people worked on it for decades and decades. 
And what's happened just in the last few months, actually, is a form of, of AI that we'll talk about in the presentation um, that seems to unlock a whole lot of the potential that people you know, only imagined or thought, thought was possible 20, 30 years ago. So there are some people who've been along on that journey for decades, and I think you'd call them experts. But I think most people are just beginning to grapple with the potential for this new kind of AI. And then if you, if you ask someone, are you an expert in AI, you'd have to say, well, applied to what field? You know, so we, we're obviously only, we're interested in, I think we should be interested in its, its implications broadly for society um, as, for, as doctors um, and as custodians of a healthcare system. But you know, AI in healthcare brings its own sets of you know, unique questions and complexities because working in very complex systems. And we know that when you try to put technology into a complex system, you know, it very often doesn't take shape the way you wanted it to or give you the outcomes that you intended or even at the, you know, the cost that you hoped it would come in at. So we'll, we'll talk a bit about some of that because I think those are really important systemic questions. And although I'm not an expert in AI, I know, do know something about healthcare systems having been you know, working in them one, one kind of a, or another, public, private, uh, South Africa, North America. So I've seen uh, some variety and I've seen some commonalities and hopefully we can all learn together about how to do this well. So this is a bit of a trailer for um, your talk itself. And I, I take it in the background that you, you're sort of making a distinction between task-based and possibly the new sort of growth area of generative AI. And, and, and I'll just leave it there because I'm sure it'll be touched on in the talk and how these uh, may play a role in the future. Now, just moving on briefly really to the ethical issues, because after all, this is ethics for all. I suppose one of the questions is, you, you know, it, as with other technologies that have been introduced and that are expensive, is this an exciting development that can help us, you know, help the disadvantaged and, you know, improve care in South Africa, or is it merely going to exacerbate the distinction between the haves and the have-nots? I'd be interested in your thoughts on that. Ah, well, that is the big question. Um, so can I give you a simple answer to that? I think uh, it depends. Um, it depends on leadership and, you know, these, these are tools. These are very, these are tools with huge potential, but how you use a tool is what it's all about. You know, the context for it and the, what you seek to, to achieve by implementing these, these tools, I think is going to determine whether these are democratizing or dystopian. But to give it a positive note, there, I think there's huge potential to level things up because uh, in, in Africa, Southern Africa, in, in all of our contexts, um, there, there are huge disparities, obviously, between public and private sectors in South Africa and across the continent. But I think even on both sides of this, there, there's an opportunity to improve care. We, uh, I think one of our main issues is shortages of skilled personnel and AI inherently brings new capabilities to all kinds of specialists and generalists. So uh, we'll talk a bit about radiology where a lot of this is happening and ophthalmology, which is actually a lot about imaging as well. 
and the potential for 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 um, you know better care to fill the sort of skills gap and and knowledge gap with AI, and we'll talk a bit about cancer screening and the potential there, uh, and then you know whether the technology is ready to support diagnosis and really full blown clinical applications. We'll talk about that. Um, so there's a trajectory of obviously to where these things get better and better. And so for generative AI, which you mentioned, as opposed to task-based AI, I think we're, we're going to talk about whether, whether it's ready, when it's going to be ready. Um, but the, 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 the positive spin on all of this is, I think, huge potential to improve care in under-resourced environments, but you know, misused uh, and we'll quote, give you a couple examples of that. Maybe, um, you know, if, if one uses this to further burden clinicians who already have lots and lots of sort of administrative tasks and not value adding work that's not clinical, that's not interacting with patients directly, if we add a lot of that in the form of AI to already busy clinicians, then we're not going to do so well. And that could be quite, quite dystopian. Right. Well, thank you very much for that. I mean, personally, I think I know we refer to them as our cell phones, but I, I, I'm more and more starting to think of my little cell phone as my exo brain. And I think if we can get X, uh, AI working through that exo brain, then we can spread the word quite broadly. And I'm going to leave you with that, Gary, because I think we've got to the end of our chat. Um, I'm very grateful to you for the opportunity to chat to you about it. Hopefully, we're going to entice people to come and listen to your talk itself. Um, I know, unfortunately, um, you won't be there. It'll be a pre-recorded talk, but I'm really looking forward to it. On that note, um, I really would like to invite all of you listening to this trailer or teaser, if you will, to attend our Ethics for All event. Uh, it is the 16th one. Um, it's on Thursday, the 19th of October at 7 in the evening, uh, and I look forward to hosting the event uh, and hopefully seeing you there. I'm Graham Howarth. I've been your host. Thanks very much for listening. Mm -hmm.